When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. This month and every month throughout the year, discover Corona Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer made with pure beach vibes. With a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, and 90 calories and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Well, hello, fellow football-loving friends. This is Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Declan Goff producing. And every single Wednesday on this episode, we do a deep dive into the state of Kirk Cousins, the Vikings starting quarterback. And it's always powered by our friends at Corona Hard Seltzer Spiked Sparkling Water for amazing flavors. And uh, you can check out uh, pretty much anywhere, any of your favorite adult beverage stores around the Twin Cities and get yourself a case of Corona Hard Seltzer in honor of the state of Kirk Cousins segment on these Wednesdays. And before we dive into... Uh, what I would like to call the drastically changing landscape of quarterbacks in the NFL and why the Vikings are really, really behind the eight ball when you look around the league. Just a quick uh, quick shout out to everyone who's helped us get over almost now to 11,000 subscribers on our Purple Daily YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. Vikings Ventline episodes on that podcast feed and also on that YouTube channel every single Sunday after Vikings game. So we appreciate it. We have, uh, we've gone all in into the digital world with purple daily and Mackie and Judd in podcast form and on our two YouTube channels. The other one being youtube.com slash score North MN. And you can also still find us if you want to five to six o'clock on score North radio in the twin cities, AM 1500 score North.com or the score North app. But um, we, we touched on this, I think yesterday a little bit Judd Zolgad and Declan Goff. You guys did see at least, I would assume, the end of the Cardinals and Seahawks shootout on Sunday Night Football. I did. Just, yes. Very exciting. Just back and forth. Fireworks, um, mm-hmm. drama back and forth. I think you had you had kicker drama and it was it was just a really exciting, <laughs> objectively exciting football game. Mm-hmm. And and then I start, you know, I start looking at every time there's like no time left on the clock and one of these quarterbacks, you got to get into field goal range. You got to score a touchdown. It's like they just scoot their way up the field with passes and mobility and first downs and the offensive lines aren't perfect, but that's okay because those guys can get out of the way of pressure. Mm -hmm. And it just had me thinking this week for the state of Kirk cousins, 
about how much different the landscape of quarterback play is now compared to even when Judd and I first started doing a show together like seven years ago and how flawed the Vikings model right now for quarterback play is. So when you look at the skills required to play quarterback in 2020 compared to, let's say, even 2010, the NFL was ruled by statuesque pocket passer guys 10 years ago. I mean, like... Guys who could just sit back in the pocket, throw darts, really guys who profiled like Kirk Cousins, right? The classic drop back passers, maybe the play action guys. And just think about, I know, Judd, you don't play fantasy football. When's the last time you played fantasy football? Like 20 years. Well, you played our, you played our Hubbard League once. Yeah, but probably, uh, I played it seriously probably 20 years ago. Okay. So that's a little, a little further back. And yeah. Dex, you, you, you play fantasy football, right? Uh, no, I, I, I stopped five years. I oh, won wow. my league. I pulled a Peyton Manning, went out on top. <laughs> well, I'm Way glad you brought up Peyton Manning. Because like, think about, for those of you, I'm sure there are people who are actually listening and watching that do play fantasy football. Think about the quarterbacks, even in your fantasy league, or the quarterbacks that were in the playoffs 10 years ago. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, um, Eli Manning was going to Super Bowls and Joe Flacco played in the Super Bowl and Jay Cutler, Tony Romo, uh, Aaron Rodgers was actually kind of mobile 10 years ago, but like it was uh, Jay Cutler, right? It was like the drop back classic pocket passer. And that was like the top 10 quarterbacks were basically that in 2010. And if you look at the quarterbacks who rule the NFL in 2020, yes, a lot of these guys can still sit back in the pocket and pick defenses apart as needed. But they've also like they've all added this cheat code mobility to their game that didn't exist as much outside of like a Michael Vick 10 years ago. It's Mahomes, Wilson. Um, it's even Joey Burrow can move around and keep plays alive in the pocket. Tua is going to make his NFL debut. Justin Herbert can move around all these guys. And when you shack up in 2020 with a non-mobile quarterback like the Vikings have, you better make sure your offensive line is perfect. You better make sure that you're not trailing late in games because it's harder to mount comebacks when your quarterback can't run. Mm-hmm. You better make sure your running game is on point because your quarterback needs oftentimes the threat of a running game to just open up a couple more seconds here and there of, of time to pass, right? Everything around a non-mobile quarterback just has to be pristine in 2020 unless you have the Tom Brady caliber pocket passer or big Ben looks like he's sort of back to his old tricks this year. And so I guess my point to you, Judd is like after watching that game on Sunday night, after thinking about the seven years of us evaluating quarterbacks on our show, Mackie and Judd, Mm -hmm. and just going back and looking at like what the top quarterbacks look like 10 years ago compared to right now, we can either keep playing this game of blaming all the things around Kirk Cousins that aren't perfect and lamenting the fact that they need a right guard and they need this and the defense and the coaching staff, or we can use this platform and we can use our energy to encourage the Vikings to draft a quarterback that fits the modern skill set and draft a quarterback who helps make up for these other deficiencies. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, and I I think, too, we're now to a point where if you're going to get more of the traditional pocket passer who does not have the great instincts that some guys do, uh, but if he's just going to be a guy with a strong arm who drops back to pass and needs protection, too, the key thing is we we then have to find a league that develops a middle pay structure, which does not exist, as we've talked about a lot before, because if Kirk Cousins made – 
10 mil or something like that. Guess what? He still wouldn't be great, but then you could go get him that guard and you could get him this and you could get him that. The problem is the pay structure uh, for a guy like Kirk does not align with Kirk's skills. Now, the interesting thing I thought about Sunday's Seahawks Cardinals game in particular, and and the difference um, in the QBs as far as their age and experience is this. And this I think is the most important thing uh, going forward that teams need to find. Wilson is fantastic. And and he figured this whole game out, God bless him, probably three, four, four years or more back. But I mean, he's he's aged now so that he probably doesn't run as well as he did at one time, but he's so smart, it offsets that. And he knows when to run now, okay? Murray at this point in time probably runs too much, but he he's a smart kid. So he's going to learn. So as he ages again, he's going to pick and choose his spots. And he's also going to make throws probably in three years that he's not making right now. And so, so at the very least, that's the track. And, and I'm not advocating to go get guys who just run. Oh man, that guy can just run because no, yeah. that, that's not the answer. But the answer is what? The answer is being able to be smart enough to process things, which these guys are. And do they learn? And do do they get to a point where three or four years in, what would have been an obvious scramble situation becomes, uh, I'm going to scramble, but I'm going to continue to look downfield and, oh, there's a guy coming open now and I'm going to throw him the football, okay? So those are the things that if I'm the Vikings or a team now, I'm trying to identify because it's a process as well. Like you don't get the guy day one and say, for the, the most part, day one and say, oh man, he's a Pro Bowl quarterback right now. What you get is is a work in progress of a guy who's both athletic and and smart. And you combined those things. But I think the, the closest comparison that I can come to now, Phil, is I think where the quarterback position has gotten, and this was not the case uh, 10 years back, is I think the quarterback position now is largely a point guard. I really do. I think it's a top point guard. I think it's a guy that can score. Has to can, score, though. It, it can't has, be a score. It, yes. can't be, it can't be a no. pass-only point guard. Right, right. But he can score. He can scan the court, or in this case, field, and he can find open teammates. Um, but he can always move. He can always move. And that's the most important thing. And I also think, as you watch this league, offensive line-wise, guys, there's not a lot of great lines. And and there's not a lot of great players there. And, and so I think you're far better off finding a quarterback who can make up for the issues of, of the O-line as compared to saying, let's just go get five, you know, five guys that can kick ass. I don't know that that now in 2020 can be done consistently. So if you find the quarterback who does what Wilson does, right? Think about the amount of crap, absolute crap in front of him that he makes up for every week. And why? Because he's smart. He's athletic mobile he's got everything that a quarterback has to have now Mm -hmm. i also want to they're obviously doing media availability as we're recording this but i want to share this kirk cousins quote because i think it's very telling this comes from chris thomason of the of the uh, pioneer press kirk cousins when asked about the offense and his interception problems quote we're hitting home runs we're hitting triples we're not hitting any singles (laughs) what I don't even like. I, Can someone interpret this for me? I, what, what do you like that? That has nothing to do with your interception problems, dude. Like, if anything, who speaks Kirk here? I, I, we do need a Kirk translator. Oh, like, hold on, I'm going to get my phone out. He's Siri, taking, do you speak Kirk? 
he's been taking a ton of shots down the field and and whatnot. But what's the we're baseball? not hitting singles? That's what? why you're throwing interceptions. Well, what's the baseball hitting equivalent of ten interceptions in your first handful of games? Like it's, it's, it, <laughs> like Miguel Sano strikeout rate. I think striking like out that, three pitches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What? I don't know, man. Like I'm just I'm just sort of I'm I'm sort of even beyond the point of like getting like the first few weeks of the season and last year. Yeah, I was still evaluating this team and Kirk Cousins through the prism of no, like the goal is to win a Super Bowl right now. And like, why, why is there this gap between what the expectation is and with like how Kirk is playing? And I would get furious about it and I would get mad at quotes like that. And now it's like, I have just completely mentally moved on from Kirk Cousins. And I know that there's a chance he could still be the starter next year, but, and that will drop that if, the, if he's the starter next year and they don't draft a quarterback in 2021, I will be apoplectic all off season. Every day I will rant about it. So Purple Daily will become Kirk Cousins' rant session daily. But back to what Jeb was saying about like the different sort of skill sets and the like the you, you bring in a quarterback as a draft, uh, you know, first round draft pick or whatever, and he's not a finished product, but he's got all these tools, is what Jeb was saying. And I wanna, I wanna. This might be a bad metaphor or a bad analogy, but when it comes to the quarterback pay scale and why the Vikings are in such a tough spot in 2020 with Kirk Cousins, all right. Let's envision that Judd and I are both going to buy a house in the same community, the NFL community. Okay. We're going to buy a house and we both have, uh, well, let's just use NFL figures, right? We both have 30 million, 30 to 35 mil that we're looking to put on a house. All right. Or if we could translate it to like actual layman terms, let's say 300,000. We got $300,000 to put on a house. Okay. And, uh, the house I'm looking at, which costs $300,000. Very nice. It's a uh, oh, two thousand square feet. It's got a two car garage, and uh, it's got a fireplace. It's very right. nice. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine, right? A couple, you know, yeah. wife and I can park our cars. It's got uh, it's got it's got a nice little fireplace and a chimney for Santa Claus to come down when we have basement, kids. nice a basement, a little basement, basement, a little man cave, maybe okay, you know, invite nice. friends over. Okay, it's pretty nice. I like, right? I like this house. All right, it's three hundred thousand dollars. That's the budget, right? Uh, okay, so Judd also has a three hundred thousand dollar budget. And uh, and he's looking in the same neighborhood. It's the NFL neighborhood, right? And, but the the house that Judd finds not only is it also two thousand square feet and has a two car garage and a fireplace and a chimney and a basement for the man cave. It also has uh, a pool out back. It has a butler. Ooh, and I like it has, that. And uh, no pool. I like the butler though. And uh, and and some and somehow within those two thousand square feet, it has six extra bedrooms and two extra bathrooms, or maybe it's actually five thousand square feet. But it still costs the same amount of money. It you has a lot, a lot more bells and whistles. So it's like if I okay, so Kirk Cousins is my house, and Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson is your house. So mm-hmm. I get a guy who can take a snap, drop back, and throw passes. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's, that's pretty mm-hmm. much it. Mm-hmm. All right, house can't move. You <laughs> very immobile house. It doesn't really move at all. You get a guy who can take a snap and drop back and throw passes as well. And who can move away from pressure. Yep. And who can run for first downs and who can lead on the sidelines and who can come back late in games when trailing. Yep. And, 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 and it's the same actually in the case of Kyler Murray, cause he's on a rookie contract. It's like $30 million less money uh, or whatever, $25 million less. But I mean, like, like, that's the best way I can compare and, and sort of, uh, like that's the best metaphor I can come up with for just how much trouble the Vikings are in and behind the eight ball because of Kirk Cousins and his contract. Yeah. 
That's fair. And I, I think the important thing too, though, and, and we probably don't talk about this enough when it comes to Kirk is, is this, it's the, it's the intangibles. It's the ability to lead. It's the trust. It's the alpha. Um, you've got to have that. I mean, it, you know, if you look at the young quarterbacks coming along now, I think the majority of those guys have a factor where, where you say, Oh, wow, that's great. And I think their teammates say the exact same thing. Um, that, that Falcons game, Phil, as that thing went wrong, so wrong, there was never a moment where I sensed that Kirk took control at all. And, and at least tried to say, Hey guys, this, this ends now that this is an embarrassment, right? And, and I know that, that this is a, a territory that some people will quibble and be like, well, what's he supposed to do? Or, you know, I mean, come on, they're all well-paid, but no, no. I mean, this is, this is your quarterback. This is a guy that everyone, I think, right now in this era of football, I think if you have a quarterback that lacks that gene, it's a massive problem. Like, I don't think that you you can say, yeah, but you know what? The left tackle, he leads. I don't think it works that way at all. I think it works with when the going gets tough and when things start to melt down, does your quarterback have the capacity to slow things down, not only for himself, but for his entire team and say, I can end this now. And here's how. Yeah. Well, and I don't think, I don't think he does. He just doesn't. I, I, I think it's, yeah. And I don't think you just like develop that when you're 32, like you either have that when you're, when you're 22 or you don't. And, and I, and you brought up a great example uh, yesterday. I think we were just talking off microphone. We make fun of the lions a lot. And the, the lions have been just this disaster franchise, Although they've been a little bit better in recent years because of the starting quarterback, like they haven't been as much of a laughing stock because Matt Stafford, albeit somewhat flawed and still can throw some bad interceptions, like he has a little bit of that. I'm going to make a big play at the end of the game gene to him. Mm-hmm. And, and even like even he does it like he's in the he's in the middle of he's got a bad coach. He's got mostly a, a I would say a below average front office in terms of the talent that they bring in. In a franchise that's just been a complete joke for 50 years. And even he's able to overcome some of that as a non-mobile quarterback and put together game-winning drive. Matt Stafford, think about this. Since 2014, Matt Stafford has led the NFL in game-winning drives three times. Three times. He had five game-winning drives in 2014. He had eight game-winning drives. Eight game-winning drives in 2016. And he had four game-winning drives in 2017. Kirk Cousins has one as a Viking, yeah, period. And, and and apples to apples comparison is Sunday, right? It's the Falcons. It's the same team. Like there's no difference. And the Falcons are looking to gag away every game that they possibly can. They're just it, they're just a franchise gone wrong. Okay, so so the Vikings play them at home in the Viking Stadium and get blown out six ways to Sunday. They get embarrassed. They they get blown off the field. The Lions put play them. The Falcons accidentally score a touchdown, right? But Stafford still is up against it big time. I mean, that was not an e- easy drive. And he basically goes down the field, bang, 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 and picks them apart. And it is and the, the comparison there of Cousins to Stafford is appropriate. It's perfect. It's the same team. And Kirk Cousins against that same team, in the first, second, third, and fourth quarter, never looked like he had a chance. Stafford said, give me the football. Yeah. And, Phil, you're right. He plays for the Lions. 
So this is not some, oh, yeah, yeah, but Stafford plays for the Steelers. Judge, you don't get this. No, he's playing for the Lions, and he did that. And and I'm telling you, as I watched Stafford go down the field for that touchdown, there was never a moment in my brain where I thought to myself, you know what? This could be Kirk. I could see this happening. Yeah. Hell yeah. Never a moment. No, it's amazing. I mean, like, the the, the Lions are kind of the ultimate checkmate example, because... Matt Stafford, it's not like he's been graced, you know, since 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 these numbers really started ramping up for him, these fourth quarter comeback and these game winning drive numbers, you know, from 2014 going forward. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can say over that six or seven year period, yeah, but I mean like the Lions have an elite offensive line and their defense is amazing and their coaching staff, like, yeah, you give <laughs> you give Kirk Cousins the Lions infrastructure and look what would happen. Like, no, the Vikings have better infrastructure than the Lions, and look what Matt Stafford has been doing. So, and yeah, I'm not even saying Matt Stafford's fine. He's not, you know, Matt Stafford's not a guy that I'm selecting at age 32 or whatever he is to build a franchise around. But it's just a, it is a great apples to apples example of of the Kirk Cousins deficiency. So here's another question before we get to our pigskin packing order. We played that clip last week uh, of Mike Zimmer from before the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins. This is this is I think at the NFL Combine or something in 2018, and it was when. Uh, the Vikings were trying to figure out if they were going to bring Case Keenum back or Teddy Bridgewater and Cousins was out there and there were all kinds of Cousins rumors and Mike Zimmer didn't say Cousins name, but he he said, what I want to protect against is putting and Brzezinski's great and he, you know, he he couched it. Yes. What I want to protect against is putting way too much money and resources into this one thing and then sort of abandon all the other things and players that we've been cultivating for years. Mm-hmm. Like his it, to translate his worry was. I don't know if this guy's good enough to make all this money and he's going to take away from what we're trying to do defensively, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, listening back to that clip, it's very obvious to me that Mike Zimmer was never fully on board and all in, but like had no choice but to embrace it. And I still think it was the right move at the time. The, the extension was the wrong move um, a few months ago. Is it fair knowing that Mike Zimmer never really wanted to be tied to Kirk Cousins to begin with? Is it fair? to tie Mike Zimmer's fate to the Kirk Cousins era, which sort which sort of appears to be what's happening. Their contracts are aligned. If the Vikings decide to move off Kirk Cousins, I think there's a good chance they could also move off Mike Zimmer in the next year. Yeah. Is that fair? Here's why the answer to that question is a definite yes. It's fair because of this. If you are conflicted about the most important position in sports and you're saying, yeah, but I'm a defensive guy. Get me my defensive guys. And and the quarterback is, and aside from Teddy, every Zim quarterback has been what I would call gentlemen, a necessary evil. Okay. That's not a good thing. I think it's very fair to tie them together because it's my belief that in this age of this sport, and Phil, you you j- just w- went through how the quarterback position has changed really a lot, um, and, and it's only grown m- more and more important, and it was important before, to sort of divorce yourself from, yeah, I don't want to tie that much up in that position. To me, it might be the right thing to think, but it's the wrong way to go about the approach. And, and so I'll come full circle here and say, I think it's fair to tie them together because it sort of showed that Zim was like, get me a quarterback, but don't pay too much for that. I mean, that's going to, to your point from before, Phil, that's going and uh, to look for a house 
but you send your spouse and you're like, just go look for a house. It's like, hold on a second here. You're going to move into that house. You're going to live there. And you're having one person do that. Who's not you as well. So, so I get the point of saying that you definitely could try and separate them, but the position is too important. And Mike's approach to that position to me is why I think it's probably a reach to, to keep him as coach long-term 2014. I think you probably could go defense first 2020. I think you have to be personally as a head coach invested in the QB position. And it feels like Mike is always sort of like, well, find me one, but don't pay too much. I don't like that. Yeah. I'm torn on this because I, I I would give credit to Mike Zimmer for sort of saying, I don't know, man. Uh, I know that we don't have any perfect options because I wasn't that in love with Case Keenum either. Yep. And Teddy Teddy Bridgewater was really the the option that Zimmer wanted, but he wasn't ready to be a starter. Yep. In 2018. Um. So I I find it a little bit hard to say, sorry, dude, you're tied to this guy that you never really wanted in the first place. But but I'll say this, my my observation of that quote, which was telling as hell. My observation of that quote though was, I don't think he gave you a solution. I think he basically said. Don't pay that guy that that much, which if you're a boss, I think the comeback is, okay, what do you think we should do then? And I think Mike's answer to the question, my guess is, find someone else who doesn't cost as much. What his that answer doesn't solve the problem. I think his answer might have still been Teddy. I'd be very curious. I really would be curious. I really would be. What, what was the timetable then? What was going to happen then? I, that's a really, I I would love to know what, to go back what the notes uh, with the Vikings now say about that conversation. And if somebody like Mike did say, let's try and wait. Yeah, boy, that's good. It's, it's, it's revisionist history is so easy. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were trying to win a Super Bowl in 2018 and Teddy Bridgewater was coming off. And could Teddy have years played, of played then? Like, I still think it was going to take some more time. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. It would be fun to go back and play that all over again just to see what happens, but we can't do that. Unfortunately, we don't have a DeLorean like in Back to the Future. Poor Declan. He's so, he's so depressed by uh, that. Between COVID and watching Teddy flourish in Carolina, it's been a bad couple of weeks for me here. It's, uh, <laughs> It's been a bad year. 2020 is not looking good. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, Teddy, I saw Teddy on NFL Network yesterday, flashing the big smile. Good for him. Uh, putting together a career high passer rating so far this year. That's a great story. I, I just, I don't understand how like, and everyone freaked out that he only threw 14 touchdowns or whatever the heck it was in 2015. But like he has every single character, like there's nothing about his character yep. that is de- like demeaning or bad. Like when you listen to Kirk speak, I can see why someone's like, that guy's a snake. I don't trust him. Where like if you watch Teddy Bridgewater talk or whether he presents himself and the way his teammates talk about himself, how can you in your right mind then go back to, oh, but he can't throw a deep ball though? Like yeah. how does that come into your mind, dude? I I mean it, it's I think there's a credit. I mean Kirk Cousins does throw a better deep ball than Teddy Bridgewater. There's no question, but Teddy Bridgewater is just as accurate, intermediate, and he's ten times the leader. Mm-hmm. And like final thought on Cousins for for this episode that we can get into our pe- pecking order. How many times have you heard anyone on Kirk Cousins' team in the last two and a half years as a Viking come out and laud his leadership? Can you think of one? I mean, I can oh, think wait. of guys who've left the team because of it. Wait, Stephon wait, Diggs. wait, I'm thinking, I'm thinking uh, the answer is no. And the most fraudulent, the most fraudulent one was, was that two years back when I think it was Linval missed a game or two. 
and Kirk gave the pregame speech thing. And they're like, look at Kirk Cousins breaking down the huddle here. And it was so obviously orchestrated and it was so obviously just fake. Yeah. He doesn't have that gene. He just doesn't. And he's never going to. And it was never, that's why, that's why I feel I'm with you. The first contract try I completely get. And I actually applaud that. Like that was a goal for it move that I said, you know what? Good for you, because there's too many teams in this town that probably don't do the same thing. Yep. But it's why the extension makes no sense, because you saw him for two years, and you saw exactly who he is. And and the, the whole point of this show today brings up the other thing that should have sealed Cousins' fate, which is you see the league changing. Like, the quarterback position is changing. Every year, it's changing. So how are you – how on earth are you – saying to free up cap space, we're going to continue to keep this 1976 Chevy um, because, yeah, it's just cheaper now. It's better now because we can we can then go sign a 1983 Camaro, you know? <laughs> Seriously. No, that's true. Like, I mean, it, that, no I mean, it would be like, I mean, it really is turning into, like, at the running back position, if you had a guy with the big neck roll that looked like Christian Okoye from, you know, the Chiefs in the early 90s, like, it would just... Like it doesn't work. Like I'm sorry, you can't just like garage run. just has all these old cars <laughs> and they're all under work right now and they're not working Although out. They do have a Ferrari in Justin Jefferson though. They've got Justin Jefferson is an absolute well, Ferrari. Keep him happy. Get yeah. him a new quarterback. Yeah. Football. Hey, we're going to get back to the show in just a second, but a quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is here to help business owners. And they've been uh, they've been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years during pandemic periods and non-pandemic periods. It really just helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. So, all right, let's say let's rank. Let's go through our pigskin packing order here, acapella style, because we're doing a quarantine edition of Purple Daily. We don't have quite the same production I'm bells and whistles as we would. But, Judd, why don't you uh, give us your top 10 teams in the NFL this week? Going 10 to 1 out for me. Not surprisingly, they're five and two. I don't give a damn at this point. The Chicago Bears are out. Okay. The Chicago Bears. I'm sorry. Last week, I put them where? Last week, I put them eighth. What an embarrassment that was by me. Um, So, Bears are are out. My 10th team at four and two, they they just beat Carolina. And Drew Brees actually looked, I thought, pretty sharp on Sunday. The New Orleans Saints, they stay at 10. Number nine, back in. It's my club. Once number two. For me, the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray is really good. I still stand by that. This team is five and two now. That division is fantastic. You know, I mean, how how is that division going to have teams miss the playoffs? And the East is going to have teams in. I mean, that's ridiculous. Eighth in my rankings up one spot uh, from last week after they beat the Bears on Monday night, the Los Angeles Rams at five and two, um, dropping one spot. They won a game, but I hate Houston and Houston doesn't care. The Green Bay Packers, five and one. They fall from sixth uh, to seventh for me. This uh, sixth place team for me now is the team that just lost to the Steelers. They drop one spot as well. The Titans, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers move up to five. That might be low, but the Buccaneers, five and two, they go up two spots from seven to five. My fourth place team or my fourth ranked team 
The Seahawks dropping two places after they lost a fantastic game to the Cardinals on Sunday at five and one. Baltimore five and one is coming off a bye. They are my uh, third ranked team. They actually go up one space or one spot. Number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers undefeated. They are the only undefeated team, but at number one, I am keeping them there. I still think they are the best team. The Chiefs, forty-three to sixteen on a snowy day against the Broncos, in in which I believe they've got touchdowns from their offense, not surprisingly, from their defense and their special teams. So one to ten for me this week. I go Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Seattle, and Tampa Bay. Uh, six is Tennessee. Seven is Green Bay. Eight the Rams, nine, Arizona, and number 10, the Saints, and and the Chicago Bears shall not be ranked again. They are not good. <laughs> um, wow, there's... I feel like... I feel like there's a couple teams that I want to put in. Like, I don't have the Saints in my 10, because I just... I, I don't either. I think the Saints are... Like, I'm not going to fight with you. The Saints are probably in that mix somewhere. And I put them at 10, 10, so... But I've got them at uh, I've got them at eleven right now because I've got okay. the Cardinals back in at number ten. Mm-hmm. That's probably the biggest win of Kyler Murray's career to this point. I've got the Rams at nine and the 49ers at eight. And I honestly think so. Those are three teams in the same division. I honestly think all of them could be higher if not for having to play each other. Yeah. So we'll see kind of as this shakes out. Um, I'm willing to admit. Well, I've got the Titans seven, and I almost feel like that's too low. They just they they feel like a team that's just one of the hardest outs. Even when they play poorly, it's like they're going to play close games, and they're going to give teams a fight. They're well coached. The fact that their coach is is like thinking next level chess about how to manipulate end game situations, and most coaches don't even think about that in their preparation. Uh, Mike Vrabel is a great coach. I'm willing to admit with the Packers still at number six for me that they might drop even further. I'm not going to be fooled by these like bounce back wins against <laughs> bad teams. Um, I need to see the Packers win like a gritty game. I, I need to see them like go on the road against that Bears defense and have a comeback victory or something. Cause it just kind of feels like the Packers either smooth sail their way to a win or they get caught in a fight against like the 49ers or other good teams and the Buccaneers and they just wilt. Yep. So, so at their best, they're awesome, but they can, you can punch them in the mouth and they, and they tend to rock back. So number five, Ravens. Number four, Seattle Seahawks. Number three, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who everybody oh, slept wow. on going into the season. Number two, the Kansas City Chiefs, who are uh, probably still the favorites to win the Super Bowl uh, out of the AFC. And number one, I mean, the, the Buccaneers, again, just beat the brakes off an opponent. I had them number one last week. They put 45 up on the Raiders, and they have now scored, um, let's see here, they've scored 38, 38, and 45 in their last three victories. So that offense is clicking, and they haven't even gotten everybody back healthy yet. And that defense is top five in almost every meaningful category. So I know the Buccaneers don't have the same record as some of these other teams. They have two losses. Mm-hmm. But the Buccaneers are the best team, according to my eyes, in the NFL. So Buccaneers, Chiefs, Steelers, I think all those teams can win the Super Bowl. I think the Seahawks can win the Super Bowl, Ravens, Packers, Titans, 49ers, Rams, and Cardinals. All right, number 10 for me. And I feel like 10 is like, this is the, the hardest part is number 10 because there's a ton of interchangeable teams that you could put at 10. Um, I've had this team, I think, in the last three weeks at, at 10 or 9. So I'm actually going to stick with the Cleveland Browns after I know they almost had a disastrous loss to the Bengals, but Baker Mayfield came back. And I'm, I'm a big believer, and this is why I still have the Packers high, as high as I do when I get there. You should beat the good teams you're expected to beat. 
So yes, it, should you put stock as, oh my God, the Packers just absolutely blew the brakes off or the, or the Browns beat the Bengals, like beat the teams you should beat. And I think that's very important to do. So the Browns are number 10 for me uh, to start the power rankings. I have the Cardinals number nine. Yeah, that's Kyler Murray's biggest win in their career. Seahawks are very good. The defense is abysmal, but look, that that's an impressive win. And Kyler Murray, man, and I know Judd, that was uh, one of his possible MVP candidates. I don't know if he'll be in the conversation this year, yeah. but that dude is impressive. And I would love to have him as my quarterback. So the Cardinals are number nine. The Rams at number eight. Uh, I made the point that I think Jared Goff and Sean McVay are absolutely back. Um, Jared Goff is not a game manager. He's still an above average quarterback. I'm impressed with what they've done. The Titans are seven. You could probably make the case this is still too a little bit a little bit too low. Obviously, they found their first loss this season against a very good Steelers team. But Ryan Tannehill looks great. Mike Vrabel might be coach of the year. Um, that Titans seems pretty damn good. The Ravens are six, and I don't know if this is just like a free fall or, or if Lamar Jackson can't figure it out. But I have the Ravens six, and it's mostly because of Lamar Jackson's basically not demise, but regression to the mean. And, and we knew some of that was going to happen. I mean, he was the MVP last year and no one saw it coming. So you knew there was going to be a step down, but I am just like baffled at how Lamar Jackson has been playing this year. And, and yes, defense probably figured him out. Coaches have figured him out, but the Ravens for right now, they're outside of my top five. They're number six. I have the bucks at number five. And I know PFF thinks that they are, you know, the best team so far on offense and defense. And look, they have every right to probably be in the Super Bowl. The two losses is probably what prevents me from putting them in the top three, if not the number one team. Um, but obviously, I still am going to stick on my Tom Brady takes, so I can't put them number one just yet. So they're number five for me. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are number four. Um, they could definitely still get up to number one. I still think Aaron Rodgers is playing with uh, a fire in his head, and he's proven people wrong. So good on the Green Bay Packers. We'll see what happens against the Vikings uh, this Sunday. Seattle Seahawks are still number three, even though they found their first loss. Russell Wilson's playing out of his mind, and I, I really do think they're still the best team in the NFC, and they'll probably uh, get to the Super Bowl this year out of the NFC. I have the Chiefs number two, uh, Pat Mahomes, who seems to always love playing well in the snow. Like that dude, I, I saw his statistics against the Broncos, and his his statistics went in snowy, blizzard-like temperatures, and that happens a lot in Denver, obviously. That dude balls out in any weather capacity. Like I have no idea how he does it, but they're number two. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, you got to give them credit. They're undefeated. And yeah, with them and the Rams, you know, are on that same plane of everyone kind of doubted them. And and they look damn good this year. And that AFC North division is very good, too. I mean, that probably might be the best division in football this season. So Steelers Ooh. are number one. You don't think so? Uh, I think well, because the, the Bengals the West, are so bad. The West is fantastic. The, the Rams, NFC, I, I'm with the you. Cardinals, the, the Seahawks, but the I think Niners. Also, it, uh, that's a stacked division. Aren't both those teams playing the NFC East this year? So the, they, they're, they're, they're both those divisions, the West, the, yeah, oh, the, the West and the AFC down. North are playing the NFC East. So, I mean, is it really that good? Or are they beating up on the worst division that we've ever seen in the NFL history? Well, so, the, I, I mean, the problem is the league stinks, but I think true. that the West is really, really stacked. Mm-hmm. And it is. It, I, I think I think you can make a case. Obviously, both those divisions are probably their best in their respective conferences. I think we can definitely agree mm-hmm. on that. So uh, 10 through 1 for me are Browns, Cardinals, Rams, Titans, Ravens, Bucks. Packers, Seahawks, Chiefs, and the Pittsburgh Steelers as your number one team after week seven. There it is. Our pigskin pecking order on this episode of Purple Daily. And uh, don't forget, Vikings Ventline makes its return right after Vikings and Packers this Sunday. I don't know if there's going to be a lot to be outraged about, but I don't know. I I can't decide if the Vikings are going to show some fight or if they're going to lay down. It's going to be very telling with two days before the trade deadline what they do. Is Kirk going to have a good game because that's sort of Kirk? I don't think so. I could, I could totally see it both ways. I don't I really think so. Can. 
I think this is going to be, I, I honestly think Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is um, out to, out to probably stick a final fork in Mike Zimmer's Vikings here. Just, be, I mean, he's, he still holds a grudge from the Anthony Barr hit a couple of years back. And so mm-hmm. yeah. I just think, I think this could be an Aaron Rodgers absolute gem of a game. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I just don't, don't trust. I don't trust Kirk because I just want Kirk to fold now. And I feel, <laughs> I feel like he won't, I feel like he'll, he'll say, well, the pressure's gone because we stink. I'm going to have a big game. I just, I fear that because yeah. we, we don't need the questions now. We just don't need them. We've answered the questions. The test is over. Yep. That's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Thanks for hanging out with us. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff, and we'll see you guys tomorrow.